welcome to today's Story of Software by Zartus. And today we have a fantastic guest, Britt Myers, who is the VP Engineering at System Initiative, which is a collaborative power tool designed to remove the paper cuts from DevOps work. And Britt is here today to talk to us about her experiences improving business outcomes through DevOps practices. Britt, welcome and lovely to have you on board today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So Conscious is your first time on the Zartus podcast, but what we always like to do is to a kind of a, an easy intro into you, and then we'll kind of move more into the kind of the meat of the conversation. So in tradition, can you talk to us about uh, your first job in tech industry and how your career is kind of led up to system initiative, please? Yeah, of course. So I would consider myself sort of an accidental software engineer. I did not have some master plan coming out of high school to enter the uh, industry that is technology. So my my first official job in sort of a tech-facing place was actually an internship I had in college at a defense company. And that was my first exposure to software engineering at all in sort of a professional sense. And I just fell in love with the art and the craft of using code to solve problems and build things. So with with that internship sort of under my belt. I reoriented the rest of my <laughs> undergrad experience around how can I get a job in tech and ultimately landed the job here in Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I'm from, at an enterprise B2B software company where I spent about a decade of my career, a wonderful, wonderful decade, starting at from sort of the building desktop applications to then building mobile applications and then web applications multi-tenant systems, and then cloud-native applications. So my my career sort of grew up the stack as I matured in my career. And I sort of always, I was always pushing into this sort of, what is what is DevOps? Like, what is, what is the thing that's in our way? Why are we unable to deliver at the speed that we want? Why are we not achieving the business outcomes that we want? And so it was quite a, quite a, just a natural, like I stumbled into it in a way that I think unlike a lot of my peers here at System Initiative, they were sort of at the forefront of a lot of this. And I was I was a fast follower and trying to learn from what other organizations were doing and figure out how we can have better outcomes as engineering teams. Okay, interesting. And look, and like I suppose it's a natural path for a lot of people is that like you tend to fall into something, you find what you're super interested in, and then you end up kind of obviously going working with large companies, working with small companies. And you're probably doubling down into a particular niche now where you're kind of your your true interest is. Tell me having worked with a number of like, you know, large and now you're in kind of, let's say, early stage kind of fast growth businesses now, different technologies and values and so on. Tell me, what are the common common issues that you see across all those different size companies? Yeah, you know, it's funny going from a, you know, I'll say an older enterprise software company to a completely native greenfield cloud native application at a startup and experiencing sort of all of the organizational shifts across those teams, I was dumbfounded how similar some of these problems were because the cultures of the teams, the products, the customers, the processes like could not have been more different. And yet there were these similarities that I ran into. So I can confidently tell you that I have across all of these organizations had to make the pitch at some point that we need more staff and we need more staff because we're drowning and we're drowning under the paper cuts of doing this job. And that was not something that I expected to experience sort of across these different teams. So some of the things that I think can have contributed to that are 
it doesn't matter the organization you're at. It doesn't matter the tech stack that you're using. The feedback loops are so slow. And like, there's some feedback that you want, such as, is this the right feature to build? Right? Is this the right product to be taking to market? That is feedback that you want to get as quickly as possible, right? But it's also like, how are we building this feature? How are we building this project? Is it the right design? Is it the right implementation? Is it the right configuration? And so at every step and every decision you need to make, the feedback loop about whether that's the right call is slow and gets slower, sort of the further you shift to the right down, down the CI/CD pipeline, if you will. So that has definitely been one that's stricken a lot of the teams that I've worked with. I think another one is that collaborating on this work is incredibly hard. Despite like all of best intentions and people who are eager to help, they're eager, eager to learn, they're eager to experiment and sort of push the boundaries, it is still incredibly hard to collaborate. And one of those reasons is like we're effectively collaborating through a series of abstractions and handoffs. So while you know maybe our processes don't look as formal as I have an application artifact that I'm shipping over the wall to an ops team to deploy, like maybe we've sort of graduated from that. But instead, now the conversation is, if I need to run an application in Kubernetes, you need to write me a Helm chart. And what I'm not saying is, well, what software needs to be installed to run this application? Or you know, what needs to happen before the app is installed? What needs to happen after the app is installed? I'm not asking those things. I'm saying, please write me a Helm chart, right? And so when you're, when you're talking about the concepts and the decisions you need to make through these abstractions, it just becomes really hard for everybody to have the same context and the same understanding for what the implication of those decisions are. You know, any given team member across, whether it's one team, whether it's an entire organization, they're all going to have some different level of understanding about a given area, right? Like we talk about full stack or front end, back end, but even within and across the entire stack, there is different context, there's different tooling, there's different languages, there's different implications, there's different constraints, there's different requirements, there's different priorities across each of those individuals and potentially even those teams. And so I suppose like when I, when I put it in those terms, like it's no wonder that it's hard to collaborate, but that just exists across the industry, across the industry at large. And I think, you know, the last one is we know the value of automation. We know we want to be reducing toil. We want to you know, reduce our res- reliance on slow or manual processes. But I think somehow in this pursuit of automation and reuse, like we've sacrificed the control that we need to get the job done. And so at all organizations, you have your best practices. Maybe you have your golden paths or uh, what's the other term for that? Golden paths, paved roads, you know, however you want to describe it. We have those things. But in all cases, there is usually still a break glass. The world is on fire and I need to put the fire out. And I need to do that as quickly and effectively as possible. And what I've found is that a lot of those paved roads, those the automation layers that we put in, they stand in our way to getting the job done when what we need is a very low level fine gain control on how the system is behaving. Very interesting. And this probably kind of leads me into like system initiatives and like those three core areas, that's what you're looking to solve. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, and and one of our approaches have been, and I think where we have seen such growth and such progress in DevOps today is like our relentless pursuit to improve the outcomes. You know, nobody has, I don't know a single person that would ring the bell and say, we did it. Like we solved DevOps. Like we found the one thing that will work for everybody exactly like this. Yet 
we all are still looking and we're all still trying. And our approach has been to sort of take steps back, look at those core problems and say, okay, if we were to design the system with those three things front of mind, what would it look like and what can become possible? And it really sort of opens your eyes to things that we've generally accepted or rules that we've created that have helped us and have, and have helped us to get made significant improvements along the way. But we're kind of reaching the maximum of what we're going to achieve there. And it's time to, it's time to innovate again and rethink some of these things. Sounds like you're, you're breaking it or breaking the rules, I suppose, breaking practices and rebuilding. Is that a fair assessment? And if so, could you kind of describe it to me a small bit? And then, sorry, and I'm going to ask the next question in, in, that follows on from that is that, that any time when you actually break the rules or starting from scratch, what are the challenges that you kind of encountered when you're actually speaking to your existing customers and, and so on? So, yes, like we are absolutely thinking from a like, let's break the rules and not not in a, you know, rebel for rebels sake by any means. But, you know, what we're really doing is thinking, OK, like, why does this rule exist? What does it give us? Are there things that we should take from that and apply sort of in this new system in this new paradigm? And what's been in our way about that? So like one, one example here is infrastructure as code, configuration as code, or maybe even more specifically, like static infrastructure as code. That capability or sort of that capacity, which I believe is one that has kind of been adopted as like, if you're not doing this, you're doing something wrong, right? So there, I don't think anybody's saying infrastructure as code is the silver bullet that will solve all of your DevOps problem. But we do say that if you have infrastructure as code, you have more repeatability, you have more transparency, you have more control through versioning management and sort of the PR process. Like these are things that we have gained like massive improvements from in using infrastructure as code. But if you think about where we want to go now, what are the problems that we have with infrastructure as code? Well, uh, it is static and the world is not static, right? So there already is sort of a conflict there in terms of like what's, how can you get feedback more quickly if what you're dealing with is you're pretending the world is static, but it's not. And you're not really handling that difference in reality. You know, it's also abstract from the system that you're automating, right? So it's not just what's the configuration value that I need to set. It's also how actually does it get applied and how much control do you have over what happens with what you're defining and how it ends up running in production when we've lost a bit of control there. I think lastly, like there's no relationship stored in a way that we know to exist, that when you ask somebody to describe your infrastructure, they describe it in, rela in relational ways. You know, you have an architecture diagram with boxes and arrows where you're understanding scope, you're understanding how data flows through the system. And none of our infrastructure as code tooling is giving us that perspective in sort of our use and utility of it. And so in system initiative, like we have taken all of the best of what we know to be true about infrastructure as code in that we want it to be refactorable. We don't want it to be verbose. We don't want to repeat ourselves. But we're now adding on to that to say, okay, like what is the relationship between this configuration data? What happens? Like how many places does the exposed port need to show up across your cluster when you're describing the container that it's running in, the ingress that is exposing, right? Like all of these pieces, all of this configuration data is carried throughout the system. And within system initiative, we're incorporating that relational data into the model itself and into what you see and what you can control and what you can drive. Fascinating. And tell me, have you, you've obviously got a number of customers, like what is the, what's the feedback been? And I know there's qualitative aspect to the feedback, but is there like quantitative improvement that people uh, have given you guys as well? Because I'd be super interested to hear that. 
Yeah, good question. So we're actually, we're pre-customers still. We're working towards a production launch in this year. We've launched sort of a pre-release and we're in open beta right now. And so we have a large number of users in our Discord server where we're constantly iterating and getting feedback from. I think for me, the reaction has been far more positive than I would have expected because of how many of these rules that we're breaking. I'm going to give you an example of infrastructure as code. But through so many aspects, like system initiative is a redesign and a new paradigm on the domain itself. And I expected there to be a lot more rejection for that because we talk about it in terms of sort of the weirdness factor, right? Like if you introduce something to somebody and it's a little bit too weird, like they will just reject it because they can't see how what they're doing today maps to sort of this new world. And and what we've had like far, what the feedback has been resounding is Yes, I can see how this is different. I can there are, there are certainly are questions and things that we need to answer and sort of features that we know need to need to come into play at some point, but by and large, the system is something that people want to use, they want to try, they want to see what it's what it's capable of, and that tells us more than anything that like they're ready for something new. Um, and we're, you know, certainly not the only only organization, the only company trying to sort of reinvent reinvent this world and champion the second wave of DevOps. There's lots of companies doing that. And I you know, certainly recommend anybody to try any of them and challenge your assumptions and experiment and see like what can you have these better outcomes by thinking a bit differently. And so I have been just pleasantly surprised at how willing people are to sort of like shake off some of what they've come to accept in that pursuit of something better. Yeah, but generally when there's actually a bit of pain in something in a process, like they'll be generally far more accepting to something new. And I think I think what I'm, what's clear is that there is pain there. So there's clearly opportunity. And even if, and that gives us kind of an opportunity, if you, if you reimagine it and it's like you work with your customer, because I think what you told me there is that like, you've got like really good dialogue with your customers and they're telling you. And I think that's, that's always the the best approach, particularly with new products like this and particularly new, new as well. So that sounds really exciting and, and well done and really looking forward to kind of seeing what you guys come up with. Kind of a side question now, but um, are there any scenarios where a DevOps approach shouldn't be used and how can people recognize when it isn't the right approach? Yeah, I don't think so. Only because for me, I think to me, DevOps represents a belief that by working together, like trying to reduce handoffs, trying to achieve faster feedback, we will have higher reliability in our systems, we'll have faster speed to market. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want those things. I think where organizations fall down is by saying, okay, the tactics to seek higher reliability, the tactics to seek faster feedback are implement SRE. Okay, Maybe implementing SRE isn't quite what your organization is ready for. Maybe that model doesn't fit for your engineering culture, maybe it doesn't fit for your architecture. Maybe you know you might need to rethink sort of how your compliance programs or GRC is stood up in order to take and take advantage of some of these things. So I think what you end up with is there are just so many aspects to an organization that'll that can impact how they can try to adopt some sort of DevOps principles or DevOps practices. And I think the miss is that. If you look at this as purely an operational problem, it's easy to think that how others have solved this operational problem will also work for me. And so we lose that moment of reflection around, okay, what is the problem that we need to solve? How are some ways that we can solve this problem? And like, how can we do it together? We skip that process and we run right to, we need a CI/CD pipeline, or we need 
to reorganize all of our teams into full stack teams because that's that's what so and so did and it worked for them therefore it needs to work for us i think we just need to take a more scientific approach to it and you need to look at your organiza- organization specifically to say like what are our problems with delivery with getting feedback with you know and insert any number of things here and start to approach it a bit more just I don't know, experimentally or iteratively, you know, take almost a product, a product mindset approach to it. And I think if if organizations were more willing to do that, which is a a scarier thing to do, it's maybe it can seem like a higher risk thing to do. I think that the outcomes will be a lot better because you're going into it more aware of where you are and where you want to be, as opposed to looking at it from an abstract sense of like, oh, we need to do DevOps. And the way to do DevOps is, you know, X, Y, Z, follow this model. Yeah, so like instead of being kind of a set approach, there's kind of a principles approach to it. So I think, I mean, it's and it sounds like you've kind of encountered that with some companies before where it's like, okay, well, this is how you DevOps and kind of like, you know, square box fit into a round hole each time. Okay, I suppose if you were going to be coaching an, an organization into adopting it or like, how would you do a, a principles approach or how how would you articulate that? So... I think something that I have learned through trial and error is sometimes like an approach works for one team and not another team in the same organization, or you can just have various results across the org. I think something that we miss, something that we don't talk about a lot or enough, I think, in this world is talking about our level of risk tolerance, because I think the difference in risk tolerance across an organization by not talking about that up front, then whatever principle you're wanting to try, whatever practice you're going to implement, whatever experiment you want to run to try to do something slightly better than you're doing before, the different risk tolerances across the team will impact how successful you can be in what those changes are. And so risk tolerance can show up from a, you know, like your compliance program is one example where it is by nature, they have very low risk tolerance. Like it exists, part of, part of why that organization or the sort of that faction exists is to minimize risks. And if you don't take that into account up front, then when we talk about needing engineers, software engineers to have more insight into what's happening in production, because we want them to have better, better control and better insight into how their work is impacting the customer's experience. And we're not accounting for whether compliance saying, well, that's a risk because if engineers have access to production, then they can do things that you don't want to do, right? And so I think if, if there's a specific change you're trying to make and you're not seeing a lot of progress, or at least maybe not in the way that you thought it would be, talk about the risks and talk about what everybody sees as the risks and talk about what the risk tolerance is. And I think if you can get through, get a better understanding of where everybody is, then you can structure the change you want to make to account for those risks and you'll have less roadblocks in your way as you go making changes. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, because it's, it's really taking kind of like the landscape position as it is, be, be the people or the processes or whatever it may be, and kind of being customized uh, to that point. I think that's that's great advice. Buzzword everywhere at the moment is AI. Tell me, do you see AI having the most impactful effect in software teams at the moment and, and maybe looking into the future as well? I'm probably more more conservative than most in sort of where AI will impact software teams in the short term. And that's mostly because I think that maybe if we talk about it in context of like machine learning, like what are computers good at? They're good at pattern matching. They're good at finding like categorizing activities. They're good at 
repeatable tasks and based on patterns. So I think from that perspective, like there's lots of opportunity for where AI and machine learning can influence a team. I don't think that we're there yet in terms of where the focus has been. But I do think that this pursuit of like what and how can AI be used generally in the world is going to drive more change for software teams because all of this, if nothing else, the AI craze is a heck of a lot of job security <laughs> for people who are building applications, managing infrastructure, and making sure that they're performing the way that they need to perform. And so if, if nothing, I think that increase in demand will like force us to really rethink how we're approaching this work generally, whether it's from an AI or just a general SaaS application that, that we're running. And over time, I think as that grows, I think you'll see more targeted solutions like where does pattern matching show up for us or where does categorizing errors or issues help? There's certainly lots of applications, but I'm, I'm happy to be patient and I'm happy to follow along and see all of the advances that are happening. Yeah, it certainly is an interesting time, isn't it? So um, yeah, it's just the speed that everything's going at, at the moment. It's just, super fast, uh, super I fast. I mean, every week there's something new, isn't there? So it's... Uh-huh. Uh, and I know, like I know what in Zark, I mean, we really see a lot of the tools, but it's more like assist the assistant, if that makes like co-pilots and all that type of stuff. So I think yeah. they're the kind of the, the near term, like high amp impact things that we kind of see. But uh, yeah, look, who knows how, you know, where this is going to be 12 months from now, where we're going to be. It's, uh, but it certainly is, uh, enjoy the ride and see what comes out of it. Yeah. Lastly, you've obviously had a phenomenally successful career. Uh, you've built up a huge amount of knowledge. Do you have any recommendations for any books, podcasts, source of knowledge that you've taught throughout your career have been hugely helpful for you? Yeah. I think from an engineering leadership perspective, I can't recommend enough. I mean, really any of the books published by IT Revolution. So whether it's Team Topologies or Accelerate or the DevOps Handbook, Phoenix Project, I learned so much. And I think part of it is it's like through storytelling, through learning through, from other people and understanding what are just different ways to think about the problems that we have. Like, it's just really opened my mind to other ways that, other ways to approach it. I'm an avid reader. I have a long list of books that I haven't read that people have recommended to me that I'm slowly chipping, chipping my way through, though I think maybe once my kids are older, it'll be a little bit, a little bit easier to read some books. But I think. I've more recently like really come to appreciate Adam Grant's work, who's sort of an organizational psychologist in general, like leadership and coaching ideas. And I've been seeking sort of more non-tech specific domains and trying to learn from how do you approach leadership in terms of healthcare management or how do you approach leadership from a running sports organizations or coaching teams to the championship and finding other similarities. So I I try to just consume broadly, uh, and I think that's helped me help to give me a lot of perspective and different tools to use to use as a leader. Well, massively. I mean, like I know your system initiative is kind of an early stage, and I think my experience of early stage comp- uh, businesses, particularly the initial team, is like to really consider yourself as like a sp- uh, professional sports team. Yeah. So there's, I mean, and, and I, I when you touched on kind of the reading books within that space, I also have a couple of credible. You know, there's some incredible books out there you can refer back to that like there's a huge amount of commonality to what you do in business to what you do in sports and also out of i know we we're speaking before we went in there but uh at a, even at a family level you know where and how it all interplays in so that's great advice i mean i think being well read across all of those uh domains is 
is an incredibly smart thing to do for anybody coming up because I think there is huge amount of commonalities in learning across all of them. It's great advice. Yeah, I mean, all questions, all questions can be answered with an it depends, which really just means for me that, well, I want to know as much of what it can depend on. <laughs> you know, I need, I need to know like of all of the options, like what are the tools I can put in my tool belt to be able to navigate certain situations or help an engineer out of a rut or build some more community feel for the team, you know? And yeah, there's lots, lots of places to go look and seek and get and get ideas. But thank you so much. And really looking forward to seeing, you know, what you guys build out from system initiative. It sounds like it's still a bit of work in progress where you're working with your customers and stuff like that. So very, very exciting and really looking forward to that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ricky. This is a blast. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. The Story of Software Podcast is a Zartis production brought to you by Adnan Tucker, Lariana Fantoni, and Evan Sheehan. 